0: And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer.
1: Hello, everyone. Happy New Year again and welcome. This is episode 587 of Dream Business Radio. I am your host, Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. I launched this podcast 12 years ago, if you can believe that, to help you. just another one of my channels to help you build your dream business so you, too, can live your dream lifestyle. My special guest this week is Wesleyan Whitaker. And Wesleyan, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing fantastic.
1: Yeah, down in Houston, looking very beautiful today, if I'm allowed to say that.
2: (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: So um, really excited for today's show. Hey, folks, before we jump in, this episode is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. That is my group that I lead. If you're an entrepreneur who wants to create multiple streams of revenue, create an amazing brand, learn some phenomenal marketing, maybe create multiple streams of revenue, which is a very key way that you can work less and earn more, have multiple things going, um, then you too want to check out the Dream Business Mastermind. You can check that out. Dream Biz Coaching, dreambizcoaching.com. And speaking of charging what you're worth and being able to work three days, you can get a free copy of my ebook by the same name. And I detail exactly what I've done to be able to work three days a week for eight years now. I've worked, I work with my clients Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And, well... Some days if I'm not traveling, well, I was traveling in my boat. Now it's my motor home, Then I put my feet up or sometimes I work <laughs> if I want, but I get to work with my clients three days a week and I've been doing it for eight years. So really excited about that. Um, all right, so what we're gonna do, I'm going to properly introduce my guests and we're gonna jump right in. I love the topic. I love sales, closing sales, I love everything about sales. Sales is the, if you, don't, if you don't close sales, you haven't got a business. I don't care how fancy your business card looks, how big your chair is, you've got to make it rain in your business. So Wesleyan Whitaker is a chemist turned sales engineer with a passion for helping others reach their professional goals. After graduating with a degree in chemistry, She found success in the laboratory setting, yet her true calling was in the business world. She made the leap and began working in sales, eventually becoming a top international salesperson in her field and her extensive knowledge of business and success in sales has made her an ideal candidate for sales coaching which is what she does now after she founded her company called transformed sales she began working with aspiring sales leaders to help them build their skills reach their goals and her commitment to her client's success is evident in the results they achieve. Wesleyan has Wesleyan has become a sought after speaker and educator, and she has developed an online course to help people learn the basics of sales. So, Wesleyan, once again, welcome to Dream Business Radio.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: You know, I always start out because I've always I've always maintained. Honestly, I'm not um, very you know, oh, omniscient, but my clients and, and some of the people that have been following me for a long time, they love my podcast because not I cover two bases. I try and cover tips, strategies, actionable stuff with backstories. Because part of the entrepreneurial journey is the good, the bad, the ugly. Nobody just like was born and, you know, suddenly had a six, eight figure business. We all stubbed our toe and, and got messed up along the way. So I'm going to ask you a little bit about your background. Now, I, I will tell you this. I've interviewed well this is 587 so i've interviewed 586 people probably a couple doubles so let's say over 500 people that i've interviewed and it's interesting to me that a large percentage of those entrepreneurs that are successful today went to college or got a degree or started out in some other field i mean i learned my parents wanted me to be an accountant. This is what I hear, not me. I'm no good with numbers, but my, I went to school and became a CPA and then I started a company or I went this, I went that, but I will tell you. And, and so in all these years, you're the first chemist
2: Ooh. turned.
1: Uh, I know. So tell us a little bit about that journey and, and, what did your parents have to say when you took your chemistry degree and founded a company in sales training?
2: <laughs> yes. You know, as a, a chemist working in the lab, I was always that curious person. I wanted to know why are we doing this? What is the person? Like, what is behind what we're doing? Because when I was a chemist working in the lab, I did what's called failure analysis, right? So, what that meant is like any kind of plastic part that broke or that failed in the field, I had to figure it out. And I wanted to know the backstory, just like you were saying. And so yeah. that curiosity is what led me into sales. And for me, I was fortunate enough to land in a position where they were looking for somebody with a technical background that had used the products before and they had no knowledge of sales. So I was like, oh, this is perfect, which really doesn't happen because nobody wants to hire a salesperson. When so this really was in the, the, the same
1: way. company. You were a chemist. The other side of the building <laughs> needed some, some help with sales.
2: No. So one of our vendors needed help oh. with sales. And so they, they kind of groomed me. They kind of <laughs> said, Hey, is this something that you want to do? And so that's how my journey started. And I made a really fast ascent from individual contributor to international sales manager. And as an international sales manager, I kind of fell flat on my face. And I realized the onus was on me to develop myself so that I could really help my team grow. And so through that journey and really understanding what makes sales teams grow, what helps organizations tick, I kind of got bored once the company I was working with was fixed. And so that's when I decided I was going to start my own business. And um, that's what I do today.
1: So... Okay, so I sort of get the journey. What's the timeline? like how many years were you in the lab, if that's what you call it. And yeah. then when you went to work for a vendor, I'm sure they didn't make you a national sales director right out of the bat. What was the time frame for that journey and then when did you start your business?
2: So I was I worked in the lab, I was a chemist for five years. Um, mm-hmm. I spent 10 or 11 years in sales and sales management and I've had my business for about five years. Yeah. So okay.
1: Far. What did you like about sales? I mean, it's they're so different, right? I mean, chemistry class. Good lord, I, I barely got out of high school with that whole <laughs> shenanigans. They just wanted to move me on, right? But sales is so different. I mean, um, and this is just me speaking. I have no knowledge of what it's like to be a chemist, but I'm. It's it's very scientific, very precise measurements, all the stuff. And sales is all personality, conversation, trying to figure out, you know, psychology. I guess what. Is that what led you to it?
2: You know for me it was it's the curiosity so as a chemist you have to be curious if you don't ask questions if you don't really think outside the box to figure out okay why is this happening why is that happening why did this do this then you really don't solve the problems that you're challenged with and so in sales it was really the same thing because I I had no idea what I was doing they literally sent me to the home office for two weeks and then sent me back home and said now sell I was like what do you I don't know what to do so I did Mm. what I knew how to do I literally went to existing customers. And I was like, teach me how to do what you're doing, what you're doing with this instrument. Teach me what you do. Teach me why you chose us. And I used the information they gave me and I packaged that up to go find more people like them. And so literally I turned what I knew how to do. It was literally like a scientific experience. And so you said sales is all, you know, personality and psychology. It is, but I am the person who balances the art and the science of selling, right? Because there is a formulaic version of things that you need to do to be successful. And then right. you also have to have the soft skills in order to execute those
1: things. What was the product originally or products that you were selling
2: So they were, uh, it was a product that was used to, um, let's see, how do I explain? It It was used to understand what temperature things, um, melt at when they crack, what temperature things crack at when they get too cold. So it was really understanding like what that, when do things, when does plastic, when does metal, when do things really start breaking down?
1: Wow. So in this area, I mean, as you started learning (laughs) how to sell and become a, a great salesperson trainer it really was your knowledge of, of the laboratory, which helped you become a better salesperson. See, I made the connection <laughs>
2: there.
1: Yes! So that's why you started ex- succeeding, right?
2: Absolutely, because I had the, that past knowledge of, like I literally, and I tell people, I'm like, I've been on both sides of the supply chain. Like, Mm -hmm. I know what it's like to have a grimy salesperson come in that doesn't know anything. Um, And I understand how it feels to be on the other side, being a consumer of a salesperson. So I had the privilege of being sold to. I had a privilege of people coming in and trying to demo their instruments to us and doing a horrible job and just like, it was just bad. And so I literally, and I still keep that as a part of what I say today is I am the change that I want to see. So nice. I literally sold the way that I wanted to be sold to, and I still sell the way that I want to be sold to.
1: Wonderful. So um, when you so it, it's it's it, so both the lab being a chemist and then doing what you were doing and, and that that was very it, I would say a corporate right. So you're still under the corporate. That what made you want to choose the entrepreneurial route where. If, if it doesn't happen, you know you don't get paid, right? As an entrepreneur, you, you're responsible for everything, right? So when did you make that transition?
2: So I made the transition. I was at a place in my corporate career, and I was unfulfilled. I wasn't enjoying what I was doing anymore. And so I, when I started looking for jobs, nothing really was bringing me that joy. I was like, mm-hmm. it's going to be the same stuff at a different company. Uh, so I decided to bet on myself. And I actually, when I started my company, I started it as a side hustle. I was like, I need some joy. I'm I'm really like, I was really kind of burnt out in my corporate career. So mm-hmm. I started as a side hustle. And I literally tell people the building blocks to start a business, if you have this opportunity, is I made a plan and I said, okay, in three months, and no, I think in six months, if I can replace my income.
0: Mm -hmm. then
2: I'll be willing to step outside of my business, step outside of my corporate career. And so every dollar that I generated for those six months, I put in a separate account. I never touched it. And I was able to actually do that in four months. I was able to generate enough money on a recurring basis so that I felt comfortable enough to step outside of my corporate career.
1: It's such a gutsy move. I don't know if you remember that day when you turned in your your notice, but it's a huge, I mean, that is... It's such an act of courage to start a business. I don't think a lot of people who aren't entrepreneurs even realize how courageous of a deal that is, even if it's, you know, ill-fated to begin with. But, you know, luckily it's working out. So you founded a company called Transform Sales. Now, who's a who do you work for? Like who did you go for your first clients in the same field you were in or was it just local business owners?
2: No. So since I was doing my side hustle um, Mm -hmm. and I didn't want my company to know about it, I actually did no technical companies, nobody that I had ever worked with before. Uh. And so I really started out kind of grassroots. I started going to local networking events. And so I worked with, when I first started my business, I worked with ice cream shops and I worked with doctors and I I worked with insurance agents. And then I started getting engineering firms and it started getting closer and closer to what my background was, but Mm -hmm. I got some really, really good experience in working with industries that were outside of my expertise. But what I found was solid sales strategy and process and skills is transferable across the board. And so no matter what you're selling, no matter what your sales cycle is, what I knew worked across, it was industry agnostic.
1: I did a, um, so many years ago, I can't even do the math, but when I was like 21, 25 Ish, I did some um, sales training. I was running a bicycle store, and um, I invested in a, a VHS series. And then I got into Brian Tracy and some some of the really old timers of sales. And I started studying sales, and it was so interesting that um, well. I don't want to be interesting. You're my guest. What? How do you describe the sales cycle? Because there's different things. I remember, I even years ago, I took a Sandler sales training. There's talking about that little yellow summary and stuff. What is the sales process? How would you describe? You know, for a, like a service-based business, I got a lot of service-based businesses that that follow me and things like that. What's? How do you describe the sales process? Sorry for incredibly long
2: <laughs> question. No problem. Um, so the sales process is from at the point when somebody gives you that first inquiry, that first hand raise to say, I am interested in doing business with you. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people confuse their marketing funnel or marketing process with their sales process. Um, So marketing is really building awareness. Marketing is talking to all the masses out there. And you enter into a sales process, into a sales funnel, when somebody says, I'm interested. I want to talk to you. They fill out an inquiry form. They send you a message on social media. And so the sales process is how you go from getting that person who says, you're interesting. I think I want to talk to you or send me a brochure to Mm -hmm. actually getting their money. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a service-based business, you have to be very um, in tuned to the needs of the way that your customers buy. So we have our internal sales process because we're business owners. We want to do it our way. But our internal sales process must be aligned to the buyer's journey. So we need to understand that if somebody submits an inquiry form, um, that person has already spent probably 10, 20, 30 hours of research before they're coming to you. So they're informed about what they need and they think they know what you need, what you're doing. So your job at that first point of contact with them is to understand what they need. really step into their world. And then as you walk through the sales process, it transitions from being very uh, much about the client to you being able to match your um, products and services to their pains, to their challenges, to whatever they're experiencing.
1: You know, I think um, a lot of entrepreneurs who start a business do so based and armed with, you know, God-given skill or talent, and they start their business doing that. So it's the deliverable right now, right? But then I think if, if you're fortunate enough and you go through one year, one, two, three, five, and you're still in business, you're likely bringing on a team, yeah. or, you know, because you're going to wear many hats at the beginning. You will be the, the, the chief salesperson, the chief operating officer. You're going to be the accountant, <laughs> the marketing director. You're all of those things. But my question is after that, When you get to a point where you realize even though it's your business, you brought it to where it is now, you actually need help in a lot of different areas to get it to the next level. One of the things I've noticed for all the years I've been coaching and being an entrepreneur myself is that getting somebody trained to help close more sales So you can focus on maybe some other thing. That's got to be the hardest thing in the world, right? (laughs) Especially if your skill is, is being that of what I call a rainmaker. You're the person who brings in the business, right? To me, if you're the person bringing in the business and the new customers, and I think it's probably best if you hire support staff to do everything behind you. But some people want to hire additional salespeople. How do you, do you help people with that?
2: I do. I do. And really, one of the first things that I tell people when you hire a salesperson, what you have to realize is uh, it takes time for them to pay for themselves. You want mm-hmm. them to come in in two weeks, three weeks, two months and start bringing business in. But you have to realize you're rain or you're converting business because you've been doing this for five or 10 or 15. Like you spent a lifetime doing this. Yeah. So the first thing before you start hiring a sales team that you must do is you need to make sure that you have some working capital to sustain their salary for at least three to six months. And you have to, whatever, however long your sales cycle is, however long your onboarding process is, that's how much cushion you need to have. And once you bring them on, you need to have process. You need to have repeatable processes. You need to have documented onboarding plans plan so they can follow things. So they can say, okay, this is how I make a cold call. Okay. This is how I deliver a proposal. And they're not Mm -hmm. always pulling on you. And when we work with clients, we help them realize that this is the framework that you need. This is the process that you have to follow. And also this is how much it's going to cost you in your first year of having a salesperson. Now you want to have five salespeople. This is how much it's going to cost. And this is the return on your investment.
1: And I think uh, my own experience, feel free to disagree, but my own experience is that many entrepreneurs aren't willing to make, and you say the word costs, they're not willing to make the investment, whether it is six months of working capital or a year, whatever it's going to take to bring that person up to speed, because nobody's going to come in. A lot of times somebody say, Oh, I could, if I could just clone myself, Oh, I'd be so much better. Right. There's no cloning, right. You're, you're not going to be able to clone yourself. So, you know, Back in, the, back in the day, I had a team of about 15 or 16 support people. I'd never had employees, all W9 subcontractors, writers, designers, everybody, my various companies. I'm down to about four or five now, but um, I got the way I got comfortable with it, Wesleyan, is that I figured if I could ha- bring somebody with a great attitude and have them do what I do to about 80% as good as I can do, then I can just focus over here on what I call high revenue generating activity. What is so? What does that look like? Is, and I know this is your business. So, if somebody does want to bring on one or two salespeople, let's say they even make the investment, they have the working capital. Is it best for that person that who's the owner rainmaker to t- train them? Is it better off to put in some systems and then bring on a company like yours? I'm kind of setting you up for a, a good answer, I hope. But sometimes it's best to outsource that, mm-hmm. right?
2: It is absolutely if. So I'll give a very, um, you know, concerted answer. And the thing is, as a business owner, you know your product, you know your service, you know it really, really well. And you may not be the best person to train any other staff in the company. Like you may know how to um, do your bookkeeping, but would you train an accountant? Probably not. And if you want a salesperson to come in and have solid sales skills, and so solid sales skills are, they have been given the fundamentals of how to prospect, how to actually deliver proposals, how to close, how to negotiate, how to handle objections. Those are things that you might have watched a YouTube video on here or there. You may have used it here or there, but if you actually hire companies that have expertise in this, it helps you because you're giving them a stronger foundation And it also helps you because as the company's training as for us, our goal is to never to be a crutch. Like we don't want to work with companies forever. Mm. We want to get you to where you need to be. And then we want to see you go double, triple, quadruple. Teach the bird to fly and then leave
1: the nest. Yeah,
2: literally. And so we leave behind the process of onboarding. We leave behind the process that you need to get your new reps ramped and what your actual sales process is. So it's not just an investment into one person or to this for this one time. It's an investment into the growth of your company.
1: You know, I remember when I started bringing, bringing, um, bringing on a team and, and building out what I eventually called my dream team. In the early days, it wasn't so bad, but then I, I got became very prolific. I've written seven books and 12 ebooks and thousands of blog posts. So when people started coming on, and, and especially for the people on my team that were going to interact with my customers via the phone for <laughs> no hassle newsletters, success management publishing, whatever was going on, I made them read my books. And I had them watch all my videos. I used to do weekly videos way back in the day. And I wanted them to know, first of all, my videos and my books, I thought they could learn because this is, I wrote them. So it's my voice and they could learn about it. But I wanted them to, you know, to the best of their ability, interact and talk and sound kind of like I do. I mean, in their own voice. But is, is that a good thing or, or do you recommend something different than that?
2: So I think that's a great starting place, right? So really to um, give people, this is what we do. This is who we are. This is the, these are the questions that people ask us. This is how I answer this question. Um, I think the step further that you take is there must be a knowledge check. So for you to to know that the person has absorbed the information that you're making them read, listen to, whatever, consume how are you going to actually check that they know? So if they're listening to 10 coaching sessions that you have done, your question needs to be, Were what were the questions that the client asked? How did I respond to them? Um, Do you have any suggestions? How would you do it, right? Or maybe you make them do a a role play with you or record a video based on something that you presented. So that's how we close that loop of learning. And I always like to say um, the way that adult learners learn Right, We don't teach people the way that they need to learn. Right, So we think that everybody will watch a video. We think that everybody will read something, but that's not true. Um, I actually had to tell an employee that I have, because now I have my next layer of management. So I have my managers that now have people under them. Um, she asked me, she was like, well, in the past, when you work with XYZ, how do they best learn? I said, why are you asking me? You should ask them. (laughs) I'm glad that you're asking the question, but ask them because it is important for you to know how the employee that you're working with takes in information.
1: Interesting. You know, so uh, I keep using the term back in the day. I'll have to think of something else, but I'm under the gun, so I'm not going to do it. (laughs) But back in the day when I was doing all the, hey, Jim, you know, no hassle newsletters. Do you write newsletters for this? Or how does the content, do you keep up? Whatever question came in, and I would email those out. I would always save a copy into a folder. And so when my first trainee came on and said, hey, Jim, somebody wants to know this, I said, the answer's in there, <laughs> go, yes. go find it. And that, e- that email, because those were my well-crafted responses, they use those and just you know maybe slightly put it in their own voice or just used it directly. So that just might be a tip for somebody who's getting ready to bring on a team. All the stuff you've done, hopefully that you've done in your own business, people have access to it. And um, that'd be a good training. What what's what is different today? I mean, um, you know, kind of went through the pandemic where you, you can't make a, a you can't knock on a door anymore. I think you know, even after nine eleven, the whole idea of cold calling changed, right? So, what what is sales like today in in twenty twenty four versus even you know three to five years ago?
2: It's noisy. It's yeah. really, really noisy. Um, everyone is is doing cold emailing and spamming people on social media. Um, and LinkedIn,
1: right? <laughs> and LinkedIn,
2: like LinkedIn, page, everywhere. You just get so much spam um, and people are even spamming text messages now. So sales is very noisy. And in order to cut through the noise, in order to cut through all the fluff, the very first thing that you really have to do is you have to be focused. So be very succinct on who your ideal client is, understand what their problems are and speak their language. And if you're sending a cold email and you're speaking their language, you're speaking to the problems, the challenges they're having, then they're going to be more apt to say, "Okay, I'm interested. But realize that prospecting, acquiring customers requires more than sitting behind a desk sitting on the phone and just calling. You have to get out. You got to do networking events. You have to do things like this, educating people, doing in-person lunch and learns, doing webinars, writing white papers, case studies. like, it is a multifaceted way of how you touch that customer, right? And remember, mm-hmm. the way that a customer buys is more important than your sales process. So how, what is the life cycle of what does your customer need? Do they need to read a short little blog post? Do they need to see you on social media every single day consistently posting something that's educating them before they click on a link like understand how your buyers are buying
1: and while it may not be important to be out there every day which for the most part i am there's you know if somebody checks your website or something and your last blog post was june 1st of 20 of 2002 <laughs> that does that you know that's quite the opposite extreme that says hmm not so much going on here. So when you're doing your sales training, we've got about five minutes left. Um, Wesley, when you're doing your sales training, in addition to the skills, and I'm I'm sure there's certain steps that you follow, how much of your training goes into mindset? And I'm speaking, I'm speaking specifically, you know, courage, self-esteem. I mean, those are drivers for high achievers, right? And everybody says, Oh, I had low self-esteem, low confidence, but man, look at me now. Is that part of your training?
2: It is. I believe that about 70 to 80 percent of selling is mindset. It's mm. really overcoming the battles that you have in your mind. It's overcoming your own self-limiting beliefs. Um, and the rest is, is skill set, right? The rest is tactical. So when we do training, um, we focus on those soft skills, if you will, first. Because if I can clear out a person's head trash, then I can teach them how to write a cold email and boom, they have it. Just no problem, right? Um, if I try to teach them how to write a cold email first, they are their own boulder. And they can't get through whatever is blocking them in their brain to actually be able to execute, to actually be have the confidence to go out there, to get on the phones, to put a a nice outfit on and go to a networking event and speak about the company. Like, so it is important for us to get through whatever those self-limiting beliefs that our salespeople have. And even as business owners, you may be the salesperson. And so you have to overcome those self-limiting beliefs also. And so when I work with business owners and we're working through their self-limiting beliefs, I'm like, we have to, what is holding you back? Why are you so uncomfortable discussing money? Some people just will not negotiate. Some people will not do the things that they need to do to even close the order. And it's because of some type of um, reservation that they had in the past.
1: Rigidity is not a recommended skill set for selling,
2: right? Not at all.
1: Um, Some people ask me when I I have this expression, learn to delegate or stay small forever. So, Mm. but as it relates to, um, specifically salespeople or delegation, what I say is if if you're out there hiking, let's say you're on a hike or whatever, and you're thirsty, like dry in the mouth, you should have been drinking half an hour ago. Right. And I think if your business is thirsty, meaning the things that you know are going to move your business forward, like writing a blog post that's not dated 2002 or getting your book done or do whatever. If all those things continue to move forward on your to-do list, your business is screaming of thirst. Do you like that? Do you agree with that?
2: I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> like um, this is the very, a very different thing, but I um, serve as a, a coach for um, the, a program. And one of the things that I tell people is don't wait to ask for money until you need it. Mm-hmm. Go get capital when you're flushing cash, when your sales are high, that's when you get the loan. That's when you get the line of credit. It's the same thing with sales. Don't wait until you are at the point of, oh my gosh, we're, we can't make payroll if we don't um get new customers Uh take when you're on your high and you have a little bit of extra expendable cash, invest in some solid training, invest in resources. And it can be DIY stuff, like give your people the tools, give yourself the tools so that you can weather the the storms when sales are low.
1: Every once in a while, very rare these days, but every once in a while, a, a client well, I'll say a past client will it that will say to me on a coaching call, "Hey, I need to raise five thousand bucks. Okay, when do you need it by Friday?" I'm like, "And you're bringing it to me now, okay?" Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like turning on the marketing, turning off the marketing. It's it's always got to be on. Um, in our last two minutes here, how would a company? And I'm I'm going to rephrase the word company. How would an entrepreneur, right, or a very small business owner, solopreneur, know when it's the right time to actually hire? somebody to help them in the, in the sales arena?
2: So if they are, there are a couple of key things that they want to look out for. If your sales year over year are stagnant, that means you're probably just rotating yourself through the same kind of market. So if you are ready to grow 5%, 10%, 20%, and you've tried it on your own, it's time to get some outside resources. If you are at 150% doing everything in the business and you feel like I want to bring on another uh, outside salesperson, I'm not sure if it's the right time. Um, that's a great time to have an analysis done of the business to see, uh, do you need to hire other positions or is it right the right time to bring on a salesperson. And then finally, if you're not hitting your, your goals, if I know you said you had some solopreneurs, if you're not able to pay yourself a living wage, like I think it is an absolute disservice to work 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week and you can't pay yourself. That means you need to increase your revenue. Um, yep. And if you've done it alone and it's not working, then it's time to get some outside resources.
1: That's very good advice. Um, So how can people connect with you? And um, I think you said you had an online training program. I think I read that in your in your bio, your opening. If you just briefly say, tell us about what that is. And then how, how do you want people to connect with you, please?
2: Awesome. Yes, I have an online training program and it is built for business owners. Um, And so as a business owner, you get access to all of my hundreds of hours of sales training and (laughs) hundreds of hours. I have I have been recording videos for five, six, seven years. And all of my videos, all of my coaching with my clients, I have a a grassroots training program that is in there. Um, And every single week, we actually have a sales clinic. So you can come and ask your questions, get them answered. Um, And then the the final aspect of that is uh, I set you up with an accountability partner. So you have another business owner that is holding you accountable to the goals that you set for yourself and really helping encourage you and push you along. So the best way to um, find out about it is go to my website, transformsales.com. You can go to resources and I have a, a guide there. Kickstart your uh, sales year and then you'll get more information.
1: Transformsales.com.
2: Yes, transformsales. There we go, transformsales.
1: Okay, I'm not even gonna spell it because if you can't spell it, you- probably should get out of business. <laughs> how rude, how rude. I can hire somebody to be my spell checker. Oh, Jim, come on. All right. Wesley, thank you so much. I knew this would be a fun interview when when we met and um, you, you delivered some really great stuff. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Hey folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Wesleyan Whitaker. You can connect with her at transformsales.com. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. And again, if you're interested in joining me and about 24 other smart entrepreneurs, this is my last year running the Dream Business Mastermind. Before I ride off into the sunset in my motorhome, you go to dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com. This interview will replay on my YouTube channel starting tomorrow. And remember, you can get free copies of all of my Dream Business books, at Amazon, they're, they're obviously Kindle, downloadable. Barnes & Noble, their are They are also in the iBook store. But that's it until the – am I here next week? Yes, I am here next week. The following week, I'm not <laughs> moving, moving, moving. Um, until next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care.